98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. I'm going to start it off with Phil Kessel. The former Coyote signed with the Vegas Golden Knights on a one-year deal. Here's the vet on his time in Arizona. I came in there um, as a different direction, right? You know, they said we're going to win and, you know, we're going to try to win and compete. And, you know, obviously that's not what happened. And, you know, uh, it's going to be nice playing on a team that wants to win. That's Phil Kessel now with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Pitcher Reyes Maranta reported to the Diamondbacks today. Maranta has 158 games of experience as a reliever across five MLB seasons. He spent his first four years with the Giants before pitching with the Dodgers this past uh, season. The D-backs return to action tonight. Lefty Tommy Henry gets the start in Chicago. Facing off against Johnny Cueto and the White Sox. First pitch is at 5-10 and you can hear it over on ESPN 620 in the Arizona Sports app. Sticking to baseball, rookie Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle Mariners are finalizing a long term extension that guarantees, get this, the 21 year old outfielder $210 million could max out at $470 million. Does not suck to be him. That would be the richest deal in American sports history. This, uh, the base deal is for $120 million and lasts through the 2029 season. Following the 28 season, the Mariners could exercise an option for an additional 8 or 10 years depending on where Rodriguez's finishes in MVP voting in the preceding seasons. In the NFL, it is unlikely that the league will impose any punishment on the Rams' Aaron Donald following his violent helmet swinging during the Rams-Bengals joint practice yesterday. These matters are usually handled internally by the franchises and I just don't see the Rams deciding to punish Aaron Donald with uh, the games coming up. And in more NFL news, frustrated with his lack of opportunities, New York Jets wide receiver Denzel Mims, who was a second-round pick in 2020, informed the team that he wants to be traded. I know Robert Sala, the coach, said, you know what, not so fast. We kind of think he's improving and getting better. He's just got to work on special teams. That is your 4 o'clock reset, and uh, we will get right to the Arizona Cardinals now. The roster decisions are going to come down probably on Sunday, the vast majority of them, and a lot of people are starting to wonder and question who's going to make this team. Is Andy Isabella going to make the team? Is well, How about the running back situation? How about the pass rushers? Big decisions coming up for the Arizona Cardinals with cut down day right around the corner. I don't think anything can happen on that field in Tennessee, Gambo, that will change the Cardinals' mind. I, I think with the exception of the potential trade You think they know what there, they want to do? Yeah, with the guys they currently have, I think they know who's staying by now and who's going. I will say this, they're going to look at the waiver wire to try to bring some potential guys in that can help them. They're going to continue to seek out a potential trade for a cornerback. But in terms of do we like this football player on our team right now or this football player, I think those decisions have already been made. I don't think any individual player can do anything on that field tomorrow evening in Nashville to change the opinions that have already been 
form. Probably all set. I mean, I would imagine they've got their decisions. They've had a whole month of camp. Exactly. Man. They've had a whole month of camp right now. If they don't know, uh, camp started like a month ago. So they they, they know. The, what tomorrow's game is to, to, you know, to play a bunch of the other guys. These guys that are playing tomorrow, the vast majority of them, just trying to get some tape, trying to show, hey, just in case, you know, when I get cut, if I could have a good game, maybe somebody else will sign me or keep me on their practice squad. And maybe there, there could be practice squad spots that are available. You've still got to fill out your practice squad, so there might be one or two decisions there. But as far as the 53-man active roster, I would imagine they've gone through everything with a fine-tooth comb right now, and they know who's going to make this roster. And I expect Daryl Williams to be on this roster. I know I there's do been too. some I talk do too. like, hey, maybe he hasn't done enough, even though he has been productive so far in a great year for the Chiefs last year. But the reality is, you need in a perfect world, some experience behind James Conner. The Cardinals went out and got Darrell Williams for a reason. Uh, he can run the football. He can catch the football. I think at the end of the day, uh, Darrell Williams is going to be the number two back on the roster behind James Conner. It doesn't mean other guys gamble throughout the season can't push him for playing time, but when you talk about roster spots, this idea that Darrell Williams is not going to make the team, forget about it. At the, in my opinion, he's going to be on the football team. Yeah. Now, the question remains how many other running backs do you keep and is it is it Ward's name on the chopping block is it Eno's name on the chopping block would the Cardinals dare release a draft pick in Keontae Ingram they were releasing, looked- but they could try to put him on the practice they could try to put Keontae Ingram on the practice yeah, I know, squad but from what I've seen and again I'm this just- is just limited preseason football but he looks like a guy that would get snatched up awfully I, that's quickly. why I, I, I think they're going to keep five I don't know. I don't like. I know that. I know that Williams will make the team. Uh, now, as far as trades are concerned, if they end up trading somebody, I don't know about that. Um, I know they're working on trying to trade for a corner. Whether they can pull that off or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I think Williams makes the team, and I think if, if you said to me right now, I think they'll keep five because they don't want to risk losing somebody like Ingram either. And Ward is so valuable on special teams. Could they really cut such a good special teams player like Ward? Now let's get to wide receiver. Uh, it benefits Andy Isabella. You've got no Hopkins, and we don't know the status. Um, of of uh, the uh, what's what's his name? Well, Hollywood Brown. No, no, we got you got Hollywood Brown, the Texas Tech kid. Oh, Cliff well, Kingsbury, Wesley, Wesley yes. Antoine Wesley. Man, the name I'm, is. I'm here me. for you. I know. Yeah, can't believe that never happens. No, Antoine me. Wesley. Yes, Antoine Wesley. We don't know the status of Antoine Wesley. I think Andy Isabella is going to make this team. So Hopkins is not going to count. I think Wesley's status we don't know about. So I think Andy Isabella makes the roster. I don't think that. I don't think Andy Isabella is a candidate to be cut. Now traded? I don't know. If somebody says, "Hey, listen, I'll give you a cornerback, but I want Andy Isabella in a sixth round pick back," well, okay, maybe you might say, look, Andy Isabella had a good camp. Like, he had a solid camp. He impressed. I like Antoine Wesley. He's got good size. He's a nice, valuable backup guy, but we don't know Antoine Wesley's status. So I expect that Andy Isabella is going to make this roster. Yeah. You know, I, I would be I would be shocked if a call came in saying, hey, we got this we got this really good corner. Uh, we don't really need him. We'd love to have Andy Isabella, you know, tack on a six round pick and you got a deal, Steve. I just don't see that that happening. I think Andy Isabella, to his credit, has has played himself into that sixth spot uh, on the wide receiver 
roster in the the room. Absolutely. Uh, this fall, I think he's had a really good camp. He'll he's, make the team. He's finally looked like he belongs out there. I mean, it's like not only that's the thing about Isabella Gambo. Not only has he not been productive, uh, uh, for a lot of times he hasn't looked like he really belongs on 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 the. On yeah, the but field. he clicked this year. He even said it like this is the first time he clicked. If it's too late, it's too late. But I, he thinks it kind of clicked. And then the other guy I want to talk about, who I'm expecting to make the team based on what I'm hearing, is Victor Dimukeji, the sixth round pick out of Duke from last year, who's had a terrific camp. I'm expecting that Victor Dimukeji. Now, if you keep five outside linebackers and four inside guys, you're keeping nine. Or, so I, I think. Um, I, I expect that he's going to make it. There's going to be some tough decisions there at that outside linebacker spot, but I would expect Demu Keiji, with as well as he's played, I would expect that he's going to make this roster. Yeah, there might be a veteran that might be on the chopping block that we're not quite thinking about in that regard. But it's listen, at some point, you know, if you keep extra running backs or an extra running back is really the way to put that. You know, another position group has to suffer. So sooner or later, listen, they've got to they've got a roster engineer get themselves to fifty three and, and figure out how it all shakes out. I've said it before. Four though, Steve Kimes not in the business of releasing good football players. And that kid coming off the edge in the preseason has looked awfully, awfully good. And you know the Cardinals want to hang on to them if they can. And I expect them to. The White Sox are pushing for a playoff spot. They lost a tough one to the Orioles uh, the other night. So they are fighting for a playoff spot. They're taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll talk about that game with D-backs on deck next right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com and by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Grilled Cheese Double Burger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. I got to tell the story just because it's funny. It's inside, inside radio stuff. So we do we, we do this segment, and this is a very complicated segment, okay. right? I mean, you've got to go through like how the minor league teams are doing and what the matchup is. It is spot. I can't do it. <laughs> so Mitch is good. I can't do it. You don't have the skill set. Is that what I, you're saying? I, I can't do it. <laughs> so like, so Burnsy, so Burnsy always runs the show. I don't run the show, right? I'm, I'm not the setup guy. So Burnsy runs the show. He does this stuff. But when Burnsy's out, I. I this I can't I can lead us in and get us out and I can do the teases and I can do all you I can't do this segment I can't do this segment and I'm not here enough to, to jump know in how to do it and I have no idea what yeah, it is. yeah I mean so Mitch is going to do it so I just a little inside information I I I can't Mitch we need you to Mitch. come in and pinch hit Mitch is Mitch is pinch hitting right now in the sixth inning of the baseball game because I'm I'm incapable of doing it I mean right. look to defend Gambo this. Piece of paper of stuff that I got to go through. It's no easy task. It's too, it's too hard for me. And it's it just to, too hard for and me. It has to be done right because, as we say in the business, it's sold. Absolutely. I, I just can't do it. Like I'm being, like I can't. So I'm like Mitch is going to do it because I can't. I'm not capable of doing this. Well, here's what I know you can do, Gambo. You can tell me, you and Ringer both can tell me a little bit more about this Diamondbacks game today. This is their last series of this particular road trip. First of three against the Chicago White Sox. It's actually Alec Thomas's homecoming. You know, his dad still works for the White Sox as part of their strength and conditioning, I believe. So this is a little homecoming for Thomas, and it's a first time series. 
this season against the Chicago White Sox. First time actually on the south side of Chicago in over eight years, so they don't make many trips there. Uh, yeah, Alec Thomas, you know, we were talking about it during the break. He went to Mount Carmel High School on the south side of Chicago, which is one of the best athletic high schools. Like Donovan McNabb went there, a lot of, a lot of great athletes went there. But Alec Thomas, to put it in perspective, like graduated high school in 2018. Wow. Like we, we, like, we know he's a young guy, but when you hear that, like, dude, really? He graduated high school in 2018. So I've always hated the White Sox, and for one reason, crazy reason. You want to know why? Uh, you hated Oscar Gamble. No, I did not hate Oscar Gamble. Oscar Gamble played for the Yankees. I know he did. Tom Seaver won his 300th game with the freaking White Sox. In August of 1985. With the White Sox. Uh, yes, like he Tom did. Seaver. Tom Seaver. Don't blame the White Sox. Blame the Mets. The Red, the White or Sox. The Reds. It's like Randy Johnson won his 300th game with the Giants. Sometimes, like those things are. Randy Johnson won his 300th game with the Giants. Tom Seaver won his 300th game. With, what the hell's going on here? I'm sorry, Mitch. You got a lot to do here. So no, I'll let you go. You're no, good. I good was, stuff. By I, the way, I got a Tom Seaver 85 story. We'll tell later. This I was going to throw in Glavin winning his 300th with the Mets when he spent so long with the Braves. Right. It's just crazy. That's besides the point. Well, we're talking about pitchers. So let's get right into the pitching matchup. It's brought to you by Native Interiors. Your floors, your way. Text floors, F L O O R S, to 62620 for more info. This will actually be a really good match. Up, guys. It's Tommy Henry, the young lefty for the D-backs, two and two, a three-five-seven ERA on the young season with sixteen strikeouts, and then the reigning American League Player of the Week, Johnny Cueto, a yeah. solid season, six and five, a two-five-eight ERA, Think and seventy-three that. Ks, two-point-five-eight ERA, ninth among uh, among starters. He's, he's been great for them. He has absolutely been sensational for them. He's having one of his best year uh, among active pitchers. He ranks seventh in innings pitch, tenth in strikeouts. So he's been a, a terrific pitcher, Johnny Cueto. And you look at the earned runs allowed in his 2022 starts. One, two, three, four, five times he's allowed zero earned runs. One, two times he's allowed one. And another one, two, three times he's allowed two. Johnny Cueto has been great this year. Sadly, the White Sox have underachieved. People in Chicago are just ready to wring Tony Larusa's neck. They they can't stand Larusa, huh? Uh, well, yeah, because they lost know, that they, game yesterday because a guy dropped the ball this, and it, they should have one one out away and he drops the ball. This is a team that had World Series aspirations, and here they are in late August, sixty three and six. Well, they're still in it. They could still win they're it. Still in it, but they're this, still this, in it. This season has been a it's been tough sledding. Well, since you're talking about the season and the standings, let's get right to those MLB standings, which are driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty, starting with the NL West, which is basically lost at this point. The Diamondbacks are fourth in the division at 56 and 67. They have three and a half games over the Colorado Rockies, and they're only five games behind the Giants. So they could still fight for that third place slot. Tim, you mentioned the White Sox were at 63 and 60. Two, but they are four games back of the division leading Cleveland Guardians and five games back of the wild card. Speaking of that wild card in the National League, the Diamondbacks, ten and a half out. So maybe, maybe not. It would take like a miracle to get there, but No, no, no. It's not happening, Mitch. Have okay. You, have you looked at their September schedule? 
I mean, it, listen, it, of, of their 33 September games, 24 are against the Padres, Dodgers, Brewers, and Astros. Harold Baines ain't walking through that door? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the D-backs. Oh, okay. Because he, he jumped over to the National League, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're talking about, can the D-backs make Make a catch, run and match up the Giants. Yeah, and that wild card red. Yeah. No, that that schedule is. You talk about a gauntlet in in September. It is it is brutal on the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the Diamondbacks are looking forward to September because they'll get to see some of their young prospects. Let's take a look down on the farm. Brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. We'll start with AAA because Brandon Fott is getting the baseball tonight for the Aces. They're on the road taking on the Sacramento River Cats. The Amarillo Sod Poodles, Gambo's favorite. I love them. They're taking on the Corpus Christi Hooks on the road You know tonight. what that means for the Corpus Christi Hooks? <laughs> bad news for the Corpus bad Christi bad Hooks. Bad news for the Corpus, Corpus Christi, Christi Hooks. Hooks. Yeah. <laughs> I, st- I started getting nervous. I'm not used to <laughs> being asked to do that. Hillsboro, they're done for the day. The Hops lost to the Vancouver Canadians earlier today, 5-3, so they're on to their next series. And then the Vesalia Rawhide, they're at home taking on the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. There is one last thing we need as we get set for this game, and it's the key for tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Keybacks Keys to the Game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit mistamerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. You're not going to get to Johnny Cueto. He's had 10 quality starts. 2.17 ERA during his last 10 starts. All quality starts. But you know what you can get to? The White Sox defense. 27th in fielding percentage. 25th in outs above average. 25th in defensive runs saved. 30th in zone rating. They are absolutely awful. Put the pressure on that White Sox defense because they're not very good. So are you saying Rudy Law's not walking through that door? <laughs> Minnie Minoso is not walking. Carlton Fisk is not walking through that door. Julio Cruz is not walking through that door. People. Greg Lazinski's not walking through the door. <laughs> Bucky Dent. Carlton Fitch, Chet Lemon, Goose Gossage, Chet Lemon. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of guys are not walking through the door for the White Sox right now. Monty Williams, he'll be walking through the door with DeAndre Ayton. How's that going to go? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, 430 segment here, and Tim Ring is filling in for Bernsey. And we're going to take you right up until 6 o'clock tonight, and uh, Ringer's going to fill in uh, next week as well. But before we get to our next topic, talking about Monty Williams and the Suns, let's get a Twitter poll update from our own Eric Ruby. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. Two right. hours later... And we still have a tie. Still it's a tie. We still have a tie. If you missed it two hours ago, the question is, you guys are calling the shots. You're in charge. How much will Zayvon Collins and Marco Wilson play in tomorrow's Cardinals game at the Titans? Again, preseason finale, two guys that a lot of Cardinals fans have eyes on. How much are you playing them? Your four options are just a couple series, get their feet wet. One quarter, give them a good amount of playing time. One half, and as much as possible. But Ringer, you had a pretty interesting response to this one I didn't actually expect out of you. 
Yeah, I, I'm like at this point, I, they're both going to be on the team. Wilson now, even though he's struggled a bit, is a high priority to keep healthy. <laughs> I mean, you need bodies at that position. I, I just think at this point, the reps you'd get against the Titans – compared to the reward or the risk of of injury, I just don't see it, fellas. I, I, if, if I were Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, I, I just wouldn't play the guys. I would treat them the same way you're treating most of your regulars. We need these two guys to be healthy. I get it. We, we, you listen, you're, you're going to get better in practice. You're going to get better uh, day in and day out at the facility. We don't. You're not going to get any better yeah. going against third and fourth string Titan players who are going to get cut in 24 hours. Those are two guys I need. I need those guys. I'll play them a half. I'll play man, but I get the whole point of risk and injury. This I'm trying to get him as much reps as I can because I need those guys. But I understand the thought process of don't play him because the season's going to start. I, I, mean, I, could, I, I could be dead wrong. They could they could play half. I will say this: I don't think there's any middle ground. Either play him a half or don't play him at all. Because don't send him out there for two snaps. Yeah, because now you know, now you're really risking injury for not a whole lot of value in return. So either play him a half or don't play him at all. And there are no wrong answers here, Ringer, because you're in charge in this scenario. But when the people are in charge, we still have a tie. Tied at 28.1%. Play them one half and play them as much as possible. In second slash third place with 23% is play them a quarter. And in last place, 20.6%. A couple series. We'll go slash none since that's what Ringer went with. All right. There you go. That is the Sanderson Ford poll question. They've got a great Labor Day sales event going on right now. So head on down to Sanderson Ford. They've got 0% financing, 51st Avenue in Glendale, just south of Glendale. Monty Williams. Monty Williams was on Sirius XM NBA Radio with Justin Tremaine and Eddie Johnson. He shared his thoughts on the Kevin Durant to Phoenix rumors. I never talked to any of our guys about that. Uh, mm-hmm. One, people don't understand how hard trades are to pull off. And when I first heard about the Kevin Durant stuff, I was kind of blown away by it just because you know we've been so blessed here to have guys who want to come at the same time at the expense of what was my thinking and I like our team I love our guys but I wasn't going to have conversations that didn't need to be had I think our guys are mature enough to understand that part of our business um and so i didn't want to have conversations about stuff that didn't need to be brought up and and part of it is because i've been in the business so long it's just hard to pull trades off you know and so that was my thinking makes sense when you think about it from that so he's only talking about his players yeah and the point is i'm not gonna have a conversation with my players and and then all of a sudden they don't get traded I'm not going to, hey, you may hear your name in a rumor and everything. I'm not going to have those conversations. Unless it's concrete and I know it's about to go down, then I'll talk to these guys about it. But in the meantime, I know it's hard to make a trade happen, so I'm not going to go talk to three or four of my players. And then the other thing is it just, you know, you think trades, you know, you don't want to talk to one guy and all of a sudden, you know, he's not in a deal and another guy is because trades can change. Yeah, what's the old saying? The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he did not exist. That's what money, in a sense, is doing here. 
if, if I don't talk to Mikel and Cam about it, you always have plausible deniability. Like, listen, guys, the, if, you, if, if you do speak to them about it, it legitimizes the fact that they may very well be on the block and the team may be looking to move them uh, in a trade for a Kevin Durant or for, who, for whoever. But I can see where Monty's going with this. I just ignore it. I don't bring it to light. And then when we get to camp or I visit with these guys in the offices or around the gym, you just say, guys, it was it was never close. It was never happening. Blame the media. It was all a media fabrication. Uh-huh. The reason why I never came to you guys is because there was no reason to come to you guys. We love you guys. We're moving forward. We're getting ready to run it back uh, to make another run yeah. at this thing. So that's kind of and just like and also Monty with in, in the clip we heard during the update uh, talking about I don't I don't know where this stuff with D.A. comes from. It's like, OK, that's an interesting way to put it now. It's because everybody saw what happened in Game 7. Uh, everybody's pretty convinced and knowledgeable that the Suns were looking to potentially move on from D.A. after the season. Didn't work out, so now he's back. But now Monty can sit there and say, there's no problem. Everything's I, great. I got a great relationship with D.A. So you just you just, you just move. That, that's the brilliance of Monty Williams. You listen, just move forward and saying everything's great. I've been doing this show for 26 years. Over that time... I've developed relationships, friendships, um, and with a lot of people. I feel like I was, I, I, I was, I had a lot of insight into what was going on these on these trades with Kevin Durant. I felt like I had a lot of insight. I was always able to have my calls answered and talk in honesty with the people that were involved in this situation from several teams, from a lot of different teams, about you know what was going on here. And I can honestly say, and I've said, and I've said this many, many, many times, the Suns never put any. Of a, they, they never put Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson in a trade proposal. They just didn't because the Nets were never interested in a trade proposal from the Suns because the Nets and and I know I know about them. I know when the calls were made. I know about there were multiple calls made between the Suns and the Nets, but the Nets would always tell the Phoenix Suns that you we we're not going to. There, there is nothing to discuss. There's no deal here with you. There's no that you don't have enough on the roster. And the second that they didn't want DA, remember I was the first in the country to report that the Nets had no interest in DA. The same. Day to Kevin Durant asked for a trade. I reported that the Nets had no interest, according to two sources, yeah. in DeAndre Ayton. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. Here is Monty Williams addressing his relationship with DA. I've heard all that stuff, second and third hand, all the narratives. Um, you know, the bottom line is I have to coach, and all of our players will tell you that I coach everybody. When I have to make a move like that, it's me calling them up. It's never personal. And I think D.A. said it best when he did an interview. You know, our relationship is calm. And I've invested a lot of time into the the player and the person. He's invested a lot of time into the player and the person. And, you know, being... And and I said this about you know because somebody asked me how is Nash how is Steve Nash and Sean Marks going to go on because they because they're adults okay they're the adults they have to they have no choice and they're, they're, they're the adults they in the room players are emotional players are emo- and they're manipulative players are emotional and manipulative Kevin Durant was emotional Kevin Durant was manipulative Steve Nash and Sean Marks can't hold uh, I'm going to hold a grudge I'm going I'm not going to play you in the certain no you got to move on. 
So that's what happens with the coaches. The players can still have this animosity, but the coaches can't. The GMs can't. Monty's going to move on very quickly from this. Why? Because he's an adult. Because he knows what he has to do. I know what's best for my team. What's best for my team is that me and DA need to get on the right page right away. I can't have this linger for for a long period of time. So that's why it's going to end up being just fine. And I think at the end of the day, Monty Williams also knows that there is a, a portion of the relationship with DeAndre Ayton after what transpired, not only in Game 7, but the offseason, that probably needs to now be manicured, if not repaired, a little bit. You can sit here and be callous and say, no, you know, he needs to be coached hard and it's just business. No, DA's a young guy. He's an emotional guy. You know, the Suns, let's be honest, they they looked to do a sign and trade to move on from him. They did not want to give him the fifth year. They did not want to sign him to a max deal. They did not want to extend him on his own. Uh, they on their own, they went and matched the off. So, I mean, there is probably a portion of that relationship that needs to heal. I personally think Monty Williams is probably the perfect coach to do that. No matter what happened in game seven, Monty Williams, I think, understands now what needs to be done to get the best out of DA. But does DA understand? But does DA understand that it's a lot easier for Monty to go after him than to go after Devin Booker and Chris Paul? Yeah, well, <laughs> like you're an easier punching bag, well, man. I'm sorry, but you're the easier punching bag. You're the young kid that didn't go out and close out on a three. I can yell at you, but I can't like yell at Booker and Paul the same way I can yell at you. Well, that would you know what that would really piss me off if I were DeAndre. I Hayden. understand because we're down we're mm-hmm. down by forty six, and you want to get on me for not getting out on a three point shooter in the third quarter, and 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 and, and, and someone embarrass me with an earshot of the. People sitting there in the front row, and that's how this became public. It wasn't because DeAndre said something or the son said something. People heard it. Yeah, people heard the back and forth. You know, and then Monty. Well, I talked to the coaching staffs too, so I know exactly yeah. what was said. You know, and then listen, and Monty had a chance to you know kind of calm the waters after the game and said it's internal. So this thing kind of festered now uh, for a long time. But if you're DeAndre Ayton, you're like really. This is the most embarrassing Game 7 performance by a team in NBA history, possibly. And you're you're kind of pointing the finger at at me. And we're like, what about these guys? Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. DeAndre's a 23-year-old kid. Like, really? The whole team is absolutely (laughs) gone in the tank, and and I'm the poster child for this? Right. I'm I'm going to have to take the beating here because you don't want to yell at these other guys. Yeah, I'll be damned. Are you kidding me? Let me play one more. Here's Monty talking about his love for DA. When I do something like that, it's because I want I want what's best for you, but I also have to, you know, try my best to hold everybody accountable. At the same time, there are times where I wish I could have handled things a little bit differently. I, I will, you know, pick at myself, but our relationship, I, I, I don't I don't know where all that stuff is coming from. I have a great relationship with all of our guys, uh, and I've built an I think I've built up enough equity with every player on our team. They know how much I care about them and how much I love them, but I also have to coach them. I don't know where this stuff is coming from. What what acrimony? <laughs> what, what, what? What? This is great. This love. It's like, right. Wow. Again, like just, just pretend none of this stuff ever happens. No. We're just going to move forward with a lot of love and, and, and listen, and run it back. And if I'm the, look, if I'm the A, I wanted a max contract. I got a max contract. It's not five years. It's four years, but I still got the max contract. I could go to those other guys and say, uh, you know, I, I match up with you. You got a max. So did I. 
Interesting. You, and I want just quickly on this. You saw a redraft of the 2018 NBA draft by somebody recently? I did. Bleacher Report did it with Bleacher a, Report. So, OK, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but just give me the top five. There's the fifth. Number five is real interesting. All right, number I one. always hate these things, but I thought it was I thought it was interesting enough that, that you should bring it up. Go ahead. Because it, it it looks bad, but it also looks good if you're if you're Ryan McDonough listening right now. Uh, number one uh, overall pick is obvious, at least I think, is Luca. Uh, number two, Trey Young. Three, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Four, DeAndre Ayton goes four. And the fifth overall pick in a redraft of the top 10 of the 2018 draft is Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges in the top five. Jumped up to the top five based on the way he's played. So Mikel Bridges in the top five. So you can How make the that? case that for Ryan McDonough, for all his misses, mm-hmm. um, and that draft did not miss. He got two top five picks when he picked number one. And what did he pick Bridges at, 10 or 11, something like that? Made the trade with Philly and then, uh, yeah, made the trade with Philly. I think it was, I don't think it was. I thought it was, it was 10. 10. Was it 10? I thought it was, it was 10. I thought it was okay. 10, but I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> all right. The Pac-10's demise seems inevitable. We spoke with Brett McMurphy who broke down the story, who broke the story on Oregon and their potential and their talks with the Big Ten. We'll play some of the clips. You're going to want to hear this next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Good get by our producer Mitch today, tracking down Brett McMurphy, college football insider from Action Network, who really had all the information about Oregon and Oregon, you know, in talks right now to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten. This is this blew up nationally, and we had him on the show a little bit earlier. I wanted to play some of these cuts for you, and we'll uh, we'll kind of go through these as quickly as we can. Here's McMurphy on the Big Ten's plan does remain to get four more Pac-12 schools. Whether right. Notre Dame says yes or not, the, the Big Ten will go, add those four schools, and Kevin Warren's been very open about it. He was asked on Bryant Gumbel, uh, Real HBO Real Sports the other day, do you foresee your conference going to 20 members? He didn't say maybe. He didn't say possibly. He said yes. Yes. And that's what sources have been telling me, that they're going to go to 20, and they want the schools from the Pac-12 um, for those markets, A, and for B, uh, to kind of help out USC and UCLA as far as their travel. All right, so to help out USC and UCLA so that all of their games aren't far, because if you bring four more in, now you got six out here in the West, you know, that can make for some easy weeks. That can make for some easy weeks of travel where you don't have to go into the Midwest or the South. So that makes it real easy. That makes sense, but it seems inevitable that they are going to add more schools from the Pac-12. Well, yeah, and you listen to George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner at Pac-12 Media Day, how confident he was that the remaining 10 schools would stay and their level of commitment being very high uh, to stay. That's all nonsense. It's all BS. Yeah. I mean, as soon as the big, as, as, they're as, all, they're, yep. as soon as the big 10 extends the invite 
Those teams are gone. And Klyovkov probably knew it, but he had to put on a show. He had to put on his game face. Here's McMurphy saying that those schools, though, while they're going to leave and they're going to go to the Big Ten, they're not going to get the same amount of money. They're not going to bring in Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal, and they're not they're not going to get full shares the first year like USC and UCLA. And everyone's like, well, why shouldn't they? USC and UCLA did. Well, they brought the LA market. The only school that brings more value per school to the Big Ten is Notre Dame. The other schools don't, and that's a that's a great point. So what they're what they'll do. What I assume they'll do is they will, you know, bring him in for, you know, less than a full share. And they, they build up to a full share after X number of years. It's the same thing they did with with Rutgers in Maryland. Let's say they even get a half share just to keep it. Let's let, let's just say for easy math, uh, everybody else is getting $100 million. Those schools get $50 million. Even a half share at $50 million is going to be way more lucrative than what a Pac-12 or Pac-10 New Deal would be, especially without the L.A. market moving forward. So there is an there is an appetite for you know ESPN now to have Pac-12 football, but if Oregon and Washington are in, I think that they I think they could pull forty to fifty million dollars per school. I don't think they can get any more than that. But if Oregon's going to leave, then the Pac-12 is dead because right now they're making. I think the Pac-12 is getting what about thirty five million dollars in a payout, but that's an old deal that was many many years ago. A new deal because ESPN has an opening now. I, I think with ESPN losing the Big Ten. I think ESP. I think the. I think the money would be good. I don't think anything over fifty million, but I think probably it's going to be hard. 50. I mean, you still have the fifth largest market, which is San Francisco, which obviously has Stanford and Cal. But you know, let's be honest, Gamble. I mean, how it's big just is, the inventory. They need the inventory for those yeah, night games. They, they do, and but listen, I mean, if the Big Ten gets those teams, ESPN's not going to be able to. Get no, no, then the Pac-12. And mean, we'll talk about that in a second because the Pac-12 will be done. Two more cuts from McMurphy. Oregon and Washington would still profit more in the Big Ten. Here you go. They build up to a full share after X number of years. It's the same thing they did with with Rutgers in Maryland. But when you're a USC going to the Big Ten and when you're an OU in Texas going to the SEC, that's when you're those brands, then you get full shares. When you're not those brands, you don't get those full shares. And so I guess you're saying, well, why should Oregon and Washington go if they're not going to get a full share. Well, you stay in the Pac-12, but that means you're missing the you're missing the boat on going to the Big Ten. And even with a reduced share in the Big Ten, you're still probably going to double the amount of money you're going to get in the Pac-12. And also, your long-term stability is set. There well, it maybe is. it is double the amount of money. Par- a par- so 40, a- maybe 40 to 80. That's what I was saying. 35 to 70. A partial share in the Big Ten is way is better. Is double the money. What you're going to get in a Pac-12 new deal without the L.A. market. So here's what happens. The the four of them leave to go to the Big Ten. The four corner schools, Colorado, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, they end up in the Big 12, which they they should be discussing that right now. You said it to be proactive. Be proactive. Get, get involved and go, go to the Big 12 right now. Don't leave you because the Pac-12 is, it's, I mean, it's done. I mean, it's done. You're going to have, and then the two schools that are going to get totally screwed 
are going to be Washington State, State and Oregon State. State. Of course. Because nobody wants them. They're going to end up in the Mountain West or something like that. Yep. Which, you know, given the way that they play football, maybe that's where they belong anyway. Sorry, no offense to all the Cougar and uh, Beaver alumni uh, that are listening right now. But, yeah, back, let's just focus on ASU real quick. Because that's our, that's our home school here in Phoenix. I'm really tired, this is me personally speaking, of, again, the administration being reactive, being surprised that USC and UCLA left the conference, monitoring the landscape. What's going to happen next? Let's watch the conference. We we feel strongly that Oregon and uh, Washington is, we feel they're going to stay and the, the conference is going to be great. Uh, it's not going to happen. Nope. You're going to be left. And you know what? Again, don't be re- be proactive. Operate from a position of strength. Say to yourself, you know what? We're going to take care of Arizona State right now. We're going to begin discussions with the Big 12 because we're going to find ourselves a home on uh, negotiating from a position of strength because this is not waiting around for the Pac-12 yeah, to you, disintegrate. You lose leverage. You lose I mean, leverage. If you, have, if you have any leverage, it's probably now. But listen, the Big 12 is going to take you anyway, regardless. Um, but it does seem inevitable that the it seems inevitable that the Pac-12 is is on the brink of disaster right now. Once Oregon and Washington leave, it's I mean it's done. Then the other four schools will go to the Big. 12, and then the, the last remaining schools will probably go into the Mountain West. The Cardinals roster. Yeah, we'll have some roster decisions coming up in the next 48 hours, probably on Sunday. Let's talk about that roster next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.